The Christian faith we are called to has always had two branches, loving God and loving neighbor. We love God because he first loved us. We love neighbor inspired by the powerful example of how God loved us. But how do you do that in practical ways? In this episode of Groundwork, we're going to look at one of the ways the Apostle Paul describes in the last few chapters in the book of Romans. As we wrap up this series, we will find ways to show love and appreciation for God by loving one another as well. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in the final part of our six-part series on the book of Romans. It's been quite a journey to go through this book. It has been great to see the movements patterned after the Heidelberg Catechism. You got misery, you got deliverance, you got service. In the first one, we talked about how sin has been brought into our lives and we actually need to be justified and set free and forgiven. And in the second part, we see the deliverance that happens in God's grace. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, the great chapter of Romans 8. And then starting with the previous episode in this uh, six-part series, Daryl, we moved into, as you said, the service or the gratitude, the now what section of Romans. Now that you've been saved, now what? In Romans 12 and 13, we saw the need for transformed minds, not conforming to the pattern of the world, submitting to the governing authorities, treating all of our neighbors with love, love, love. Uh, That is the summary of the whole law, uh, Paul says. And now we're going to move into uh, chapters 14, 15, 16. We'll spend uh, most of this episode in 14, 15, and then we'll see how Paul wraps it up in 16. And again, this is now um, ways by which we have to continue to live with each other as changed people. So picking up in chapter 14, it says, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So Paul is making a distinction, Scott, between strong and weaker believers. The strong believers can eat the meat. The weak believers are eating vegetables only. The issue isn't to eat or not to eat. The issue is they're judging each other because of that. And we need to understand that he's teaching that if you're a stronger Christian out of love, you can choose not to eat meat for your weaker brother or sister. And this is not a salvation issue. So there is room for difference here, Scott. In theology classes and seminary, we sometimes hear the term adiaphora, which uh, kind of means indifferent. Uh, Paul uh, sees a lot of things as essential, things that are salvation-specific. Jesus having come in the flesh, he, he died, he rose again, right? These things are, are essential to the faith, but there's a lot of things, Paul says, that are just kind of indifferent. They're in an in-between 
category, adiaphora, things indifferent. What views you take on these marginal matters, we could call them, these peripheral side matters, well, maybe depends a little bit on your sophistication, or he uses the the terms weak or strong. And Paul seems to say here that the people who know it's okay to eat meat are the strong ones, and those who think, oh man, that might be wrong, that they're the weak, that's Paul's call. Problem here, Daryl, there's two problems here. The first one is nobody ever wants to be told, oh, you're the weak one, right? (laughs) Right. No, 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 I'm the strong one. You're the weak one. So in practice, this can get a little dodgy. Also, he actually talked about stronger and weaker Christians over the issue of meat before Mm -hmm. in 1 Corinthians. And so in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, he talks about the ones who are Jewish Christians who are converted from Judaism, and he talks about the Christians who are Gentiles who came from paganism and food sacrifice to idols. And he addresses this and says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols. So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. See that last line? He doesn't want them to fall. That is love in action. And he will abstain from meat if he needs to. Just respect the fact if it's an indifferent matter, a marginal non-salvation issue, respect them and don't don't tell them they're wrong. Don't trip them up. You know, don't don't you know act like you're superior. Like, well, I I'm smarter than you because I know it's okay to eat meat because idols are nothing and you don't know that. So, ha, huh? you know, no, give them respect. Uh, if you want to eat meat at home when nobody else is looking, fine. But in their presence, say, you know what, I'll eat vegetables with you because I love you and. It's not enough to fight over, right? This is not a big enough deal to fight over, and I don't want to trip you up. So be be loving. Be deferential. Again, one issue here is that nobody wants to be the weaker party, right? So that, that can get a little dodgy if you actually use that language in the church today. The other thing that gets a little dodgy is what is an indifferent or marginal issue, right? Paul you know, is using meat and some other things here or, or paying attention to certain sacred days, Paul says. Problem is, is that every once in a while— what I think is a matter of indifference, the other person thinks is actually central. So in practice, this can get a little bit complicated. It does in the body of believers who are diverse and have different ideas. And it, it, re, it meets the road as well, especially like if we hang out and interact with other Christians, let's say you have a different political view than I do. You voted for a different candidate than mm-hmm. I did. How do we bridge that gap and remember our unity is in Christ alone and not we don't need to be divided by things that are not salvation issues? How do we keep the main thing the main thing? The main thing is love. I mean, Paul Paul said we saw that in chapter 13 in the previous episode of this series on the letter to the Romans, Daryl, love. And if you love somebody, then when you're with them, you don't want to mess them up. You don't want to tempt them to do something that violates their conscience, even if you think it shouldn't violate their conscience. It does. So go with it. Go with the flow, Paul says. I mean, sometimes going with the flow is a bad thing, but, but when it's in service of love over something that is not a big enough deal to fight over because it's not a salvation issue, just show love, show a little deference, be a servant to the other person. That's what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 14. But we want to go to Romans 15 next, and we will do that in just a moment, so stay tuned.
What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. Well, Daryl, we're in the middle of a deep conversation Paul's having in this letter to the Romans. Now that we've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus, we have been justified, right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We live with a renewed mind by the Holy Spirit. Love those around you, even when you disagree with them over something that isn't a big enough deal to fight over, love them. So don't go around in life, you know, acting superior to anybody. Be a servant to all. And there may be situations where there are weaker Christians around you, but that's not an opportunity to be prideful. That's an opportunity to show humility. The world will tell you to judge that person. The world will tell you to ridicule and make fun of that person. But that's not the way of Christ, and that's not the way that we're called to live, especially when Paul makes this clear in Romans 15. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and encouragement they provide that we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that is in Christ Jesus, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So we see in this scripture passage, Scott, the theme of serving and accepting our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We serve them for their benefit, not for our benefit, just like Christ served us for our benefit and not for his. So we're called to live in the example. I love when Paul says, do it because Christ did it for you. Don't do it because you want to look good or don't do it because you think you're going to get something back. But no, you do it because Christ has shown you love and served you for your benefit. And that is our example. Christ is our example in that. Exactly. You know, it's sort of what Jesus did in the upper room uh, in John's gospel, where he washes their feet. Jesus says, see, I've left you an example, right? I've left you an example. But really, Jesus said that in his whole ministry. I mean, I didn't always say it in so many words, but every time Jesus was kind to a prostitute, reached out to an outcast leper, healed somebody, he, he could have said every time, I've left you an example, I've left you an example, I've left you an example, be like me, be like me. And that's what Paul is saying. Jesus is our example. He accepted you when you were totally unacceptable. <laughs> if he could do that for you, you can turn around and do likewise, right? That shows that you get it, <laughs> that you get it, you get the gospel. So be like Jesus. And we do that by the power of his spirit and not in our own ability. It just reminds me of, uh, you know, just as an example, I think about when my daughter wants me to do a story time with her before bed and she picks the same book every Mm. single time. And I say, well, not this book. You want to read this other book? No, she wants to read the same book. We've read this book 1,395 times. And yet she loves to see this book and hear this book and the stories in it. And I don't do that for my benefit. I do it for her benefit. She enjoys the book. She enjoys the time. 
we have together. And that is the idea, to be able to serve for the benefit of the other person. And that's something that Paul picks up in Philippians 2. And he says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or conceit, but consider in humility others better than yourselves. And he brings it practical in this passage where let's just say you brought out your prize winning pot roast and you were ready to have dinner and your neighbor you invited says, oh, wait, we don't eat meat. I'm sorry, I can't eat that. And and they feel convicted about it. Now, you could in anger judge them or you could be critical or you could love them by saying, oh, no, we have other options for you. That is what Christ has called us to do, to do that as a benefit for the other person and serve them in love. Should always keep some tofu on hand, I say, because <laughs> you never know when you might need it. Uh, but that's exactly right. You you serve each other, right? Uh, you don't judge each other. You don't make fun of each other. You don't criticize each other, especially, again, uh, as we saw in Romans 14 in the previous part of this program, especially when it's something that finally isn't that big a deal. At the end of the day, is this worth fighting over? And most of the time, you know what, when you ask yourself that question, the answer is no. It's really not worth fighting over. Let it drop. You know, the, the, the Greek word for forgiveness that includes in the Lord's Prayer, you know, forgive our sins as we forget. It literally means to just let something drop. It means to release. Release it. Let it drop. You know, you talked about kids and reading stories over and over. <laughs> How many times don't we say to, have to say to our kids sometimes, just let it drop. You know, just, just forget about it now. Let it drop. Stop fighting with your sister. Just let it drop. Truth is, we have to say it to ourselves as adults a lot, too. It's true. And Paul knows that fellowship will break down if we're not able to love one another. If we continue to judge one another, if we continue to make the little things, the big things, if we continue Mm -hmm. to uh, hold our convictions as if they're the standard for everyone else to live by, we actually fall into what Jesus calls plank eye syndrome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have we think our way is the best way and we think someone else's way is not very healthy. And God is calling us to make the non salvation issues as unimportant and not central. And he's calling us to keep Christ's example as the one that is central. And now as we round out uh, here in uh, Romans 15, we're going to look at Romans 16 in the final part of this program, Paul turns to some more practical matters. We mentioned in the very first episode of this series that Paul had never been to Rome. He had been trying to get there for years, and every time he tried to get there, the door seemed to close. Uh, So he writes here in Romans 15, as this letter is coming in for a landing, that he is still planning to come to Rome. But, But now there is no more place for me to work in these other regions. Since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. So he goes on to say what his travel plans are. This doesn't fully work out either. Paul, near as we can tell, never does make it to Spain. He does make it to Rome only after a shipwreck uh, happens, as we read about it in the very end of Acts, right? Uh, the, the ship that he's traveling on goes down. Uh, he ends up washed up on the island of Malta. But from there, he's able to get a lift to Rome. He eventually gets put under arrest, kind of house arrest in Rome, and he never leaves. Uh, He never does get to Spain. He never gets out of Rome again. They let him preach for a couple of years, and finally, I don't know, some authority figure or maybe some new Caesar came along. It's not totally clear, but they they hauled him out of town one day and lopped off his head. Uh, But he does does make it there, and uh, and, we're, we're really thankful for that because he has such genuine love for these people. 
Paul is making it clear that even though he is miles and miles distanced away from these Romans, that he is spiritually connected to them. So he wrote this letter before he was able to even get to them, but he wanted to show that he loved that they were showing their love for Christ and he wanted to help them to grow deeper as disciples in Jesus. And so he wrote this letter to go before him and we accept the fact that this letter is still speaking to us today. So as we wrap up this episode for chapter 16, we're going to talk about some practical implications. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Scott Jose, along with Daryl Delaney, and we're wrapping up our six-part series on the letter to the Romans. This has been a great, great series, Daryl, and we've really, uh, again, as we've often encouraged people, you know, read the whole Book of Romans in conjunction with this radio series because, and this podcast series, because we barely scratched the surface. But it's been great to hit the highlights, and now we're going to come to chapter 16. And what's very interesting about Romans, Daryl, is that, and I think we said this in an earlier episode, it's so easy to read Romans like it's a catechism or a theology book, right? It's it, Some of its theology is thick, and uh, it, it just kind of reads like a, a book, not a letter. In fact, we said that in an earlier episode. We usually call it the book of Romans. No, it's a letter. It was a letter. And as Paul concludes this, he, he reminds us of that. And so he is actually going to be able to greet his people and his friends and those who are partners in the gospel. And he starts with this. I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Concentre. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give to her any help she may need from you. For she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. And then he goes on, and we get this list, almost a, almost two dozen names, and we won't read them all, but would you, he's, he says, greet, 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 greet Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, greet the church that meets in their house. Greet my dear friend Eponetus. Greet Mary. Greet Andronicus in Junia. Greet Ampliatus, Urbanus, Apellus, uh, the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, Narcissus, Trophina, and Trophosa. Greet Rufus. Uh, and he goes on and on. Philogus, Julia, Nereus, Olympus. Uh, almost two dozen names. And what's, so what's interesting is this reminds you this is a letter. These are the people that Paul had before the mind and the eyes of his heart as he wrote this whole thing. He wrote it all in love to people he knows by name and loves. So when I was younger, they used to have DJs on the radio, and there would be a time where you could actually call into the station and you could shout out people that you knew. And so there would be friends on, who would get on the radio and shout out the friends' names and loved ones and things like that. And then when you got to school the next day, the buzz would be, did you hear your name on the radio? Somebody shouted you out. Um, and so it was really cool to see that the person who is shouting the name out, it's not just a list of names for that person. It is people they care about, people they are friends with, people they are actually connected to. And Reverend Fred Craddock, in his sermon called When the Roll is Called Down Here, he talks about the 
this very passage and he says, don't call this a list because it wasn't a list for Paul. These are real lives, real people that are connected to him in the spirit and they're special to him. And I have people that are in my life that I have considered role models that I would put on my uh, shout out list if I would too. So. Yeah, and we can talk about that in a moment. You know, what, what this reminds me of a, little, a little bit, when at Calvin Seminary, where I teach, when we um, began our distance learning program where students would, you know, be on the computer, watch our lectures, we, we were told by an expert in distance education that when you record your video lectures that will go online, right behind the camera you use in your computer, put the picture of a loved one. Put a picture up of your wife, your, your son, your daughter, your grandma. Put a picture of somebody you love. So that when you look at the camera, you can look past it and it personalizes it. You're, you're talking not just to a dead camera lens. You know, you're talking to the people. And, you know, during the pandemic and the lockdown, uh, we saw this too, right? Where pastors had to preach to empty churches for a yeah. while during the COVID lockdown. And some of them started to put blow-up pictures of the congregation right where they always sat. So that they, they were looking at the people. For Paul, this whole letter, these were the people that were just beyond his, his line of sight. Uh, Rufus and Tryphena and Trophosa and, and Mary and Olympus. These are the people uh, that he loved uh, and that he, he, he wanted to do a shout-out for. I actually, I would consider it to be an exercise if you could take a list of people, maybe 10 names of people who— that are special to you. Like for me, I mean, I could say my first spiritual mentor is Dr. Ron Frierson and Reverend J.R. Pittman is one. And my friends, Glenn Allen, Glenn and Andrew, these are people around me. Of course, my parents, but they're actually would be in my shout outs because there are people that are connected to me. There are people who help me to keep my faith. And I pray that I'm an encouragement to them as well. I know you got people. Scott, you're also on my list of people. You're as a co-host here. I've seen how you help people to be trained to be preached as well. So there's a lot of people on the list I could go on. Well, there are, and you, and you would definitely be on my list, as uh, was uh, your predecessor on this program, Dave Bast, uh, with whom I worked on groundwork for many years. Friends and pastors I've had, like Lou Vandermeer or Dale Cooper, Neil Plantinga, and my, my best friend and mentor, and we lost a couple years ago, Wally Bratt. Right? These, these are the people that form us and shape us, that taught us how to love people to whom you and I preached when we were pastors of the reg regular congregation week after week. These are the people you see, even as those were the people that Paul saw there in Rome. And it's just a reminder, again, Daryl, that um, the gospel uh, is never just about dry theology, right? It's never about facts and, and, you know, the Bible isn't an encyclopedia of doctrines, right, or a dictionary or something like that, or a glossary of terms. No, the Bible is a story. It's a story to the people God loves, and all of the letters in the New Testament, not just Paul's letters, but John's letters and Peter's letters and James' letter, you know, they are all to real, living, breathing saints who care for each other. And so when Paul wrote all those things that we've looked at in this program, this very episode about loving each other, serving each other, these are the people he had in mind. You can't do that in the abstract. You have to love not just people. You got to love Mary. You got to love Joe. You got to love unpleasant neighbor Bill who can drive you nuts and his kids play their music too loud. You got to love Bill, right? That's where the gospel hits the road. And it's a beautiful picture of, if you look at Paul's shout outs in chapter 16, you'll see that there are different kinds of people. You have older people, you have younger people, you have males and females, you have singles, you have marrieds. It's just a diverse group of people who are intergenerational. And they are also, you know, Jews and Gentiles coming together. Mm. It's the church. 
And Paul is showing that the gospel that he gave his life for, this is the church and the new humanity with Jews and Gentiles coming together. There's no more male. There's no more female. There's no more slave, no more free. But the new humanity that is bound together by one Lord, one faith, and one gospel of Jesus Christ is the new humanity we're called to. And that's why he ends in worship. And indeed, as we end Romans here in chapter 16, we end with a doxology, a doxological blessing from the words dox and logic. That means a glory, a glory word. A doxology is a glory word. And here's Paul's glory word that wraps up Romans. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only God, glory, forever and ever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at GroundworkOnline.com to show what Groundwork means to you or to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 